for being you and being nothing like us. God, I am so grateful for that. We are grateful for that because we are so conditional and you are unconditional with your love. God, thank you. Bless us, Lord, as we come before you. Lord, there are, there's, there's a lot going on in this world. There's a lot going on this week. This is the week of Thanksgiving, the time when we're called to be thankful. And God, I know for some, that's going to be hard. Some, they're going to have awkward moments of seeing someone that they do not like and they know that does not like them. God, I pray that maybe even for those who don't have any place to go, that they're just home. Lord, that we can just gather and remember the gratefulness that we have that spurs us on in the gospel, Lord, because you have given us your son, Jesus Christ. And that is sufficient. You are sufficient for all of our needs. Thank you for that hope. Thank you for granting us forgiveness. Thank you for granting us this the ability and the simple, the you wanting us to be your children, Lord. Thank you for that. And convict us now of our sin. If there's any sin in our heart, Lord, which we know there is much, but we don't even know that's there, expose it so we can repent of it and flee from it and run from it and just hold to the cross with empty hands of faith, knowing that we have already been forgiven. Bless us now in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So the one thing that we all need to hear and dwell on more and more and learn about as much as possible is the gospel of the grace of God. Why? Why? Why talk about it so much? Because the world in which we live in is set on this mission to make little of the gospel and to do everything in its power to make you forget the power that's in this gospel. Every day, when you go out, its goal is to make you forget it. The the world around us wants you to focus on anything and everything else other than this glorious message of the gospel of grace of God because in it, it provides freedom for you. And it wants you to be in bondage to the world. It doesn't want you to be free from the world. The gospel says that you are free. So what does the world do? It does, it keeps us, it wants to keep you away by saying your life is all about you. That's what the world does. The world says it's all about you and what you can get out of it. All things are riding upon you. So to make it in this world, you have to be strong. To make a difference in this world, you have to be powerful. You have to be successful. To have meaning and a sense of worth, you must be achieving more and more. You must be progressing to be greater and greater in whatever it is according to the world's standards. And if you're not, you're a waste and you're worthless. What's wrong with you? Oh, and by the way, don't mess up. Don't mess up along the way. Don't make a mistake. Don't come short. Because if you do, the world will turn on you in an instant and never let you forget your failure. That's what the world does. So the world around us is constantly presenting problem after problem to us saying, what are you going to do about it? It wants you to live in this lie that all of life is on you to fix and you have this incredible burden that you must fix yourself. It wants you to be obsessed with yourself at the expense of others. And when you break down, finally, you will. 
because of the exhaustion of always trying to keep up with the world, always trying to meet everyone's expectations, always trying to create a sense of worth for yourself in whatever it is, your marriage, your parenting, your job, your friends, your hobbies, whatever, to feel that aliveness in those moments. Whatever it is, when you burn out and fail at doing it, fail at letting what you do define who you are, just because you can't keep up anymore, this world will leave you behind and move on to the next person. The world will chew you up and spit you out and leave you with nothing but your sin. It will trick you into thinking you are achieving and gaining and really making a difference. But really all that's happening is that it's filling you with pain anger and regret and hate, creating more and more bondage for you to stay in your sin. For this world and all the promises of its supposed power, supposed change, supposed security, meaning, worth, all of it is in vain and it leads you to sin. That's it. It leads you to just focusing on you at the expense of others in your life. But there's hope for us in the gospel. There is hope, and that gospel is the hope. For in it, it is the true freedom that unshackles us from this never-ending treadmill of focusing on self that just keeps us in sin and bondage. The gospel says all is done in Jesus. It is finished in Him, for you have all of it. You have everything through faith in Him alone. He lived the life that we could not live, the perfect sinless life. He died the death that we deserved. He took the wrath that was upon our heads for our sins and put it on Him, Himself, paying off our debt of sin. Then He came back to life to give us what we could not earn. Eternal life, forgiveness, and peace, and restoration with God. Salvation forever, all through faith in Him alone. See, there's power in this message that we should never forget or think little of because It says, unlike the world, that whether you win or if you're defeated, whether you make it or whether you fail, whether you achieve or whether you lose it all in this life, whatever the case, through faith in Christ alone, He has done everything for you. He has achieved everything for you before God on your behalf so that you you can be declared righteous and only experience God's gracious love and favor and blessings forever. That's it. All is not lost on you, what many may say, but rather all is given to you through faith in Jesus alone because of what He has accomplished for you. Even with our failures, and all of our inconsistencies, and our mistakes, and our stupidity, all of our self-centeredness, all of our sins. God does not and will not bring condemnation upon you now, but rather just bring blessings and favor and love through faith in Jesus alone, and that's it. See, because of Jesus, we have this radical change in relationship to God Himself, to be His children whom He loves and He will never forsake. That when all point the finger at you and turn their back on you because of your sin and maybe because of the pain that you caused them in your life, guess what? God embraces you and gives you more and more of His grace. Grace upon grace. This gospel is good news, especially in the time, in time of Thanksgiving to think about. When your past comes to haunt you, 
Jesus reveals his perfect past for you. He says, he has overcome your past. When your present circumstances or situation rips at your heart and your soul, creating this agonizing distraughtness because of your sin, Jesus reveals to you how he is always present with you to be an advocate for you because of his perfect life in your place. Even though your current life may be a train wreck, he is always there to make sure you are always right with God to receive blessing upon blessing. And when the future begins to paralyze you with fear, Jesus reveals to you how he rules over the future and your future to only better you and him, even if you end up failing. Through his power, he will conform you to his image, for you are his family now, all by faith alone in him, and he will never, never forsake you. You have a lot to be thankful for this Thanksgiving. This gospel is good news. It is life-changing news because this thing called life is no longer dependent upon you and what you do. It all has been overcome by Jesus Christ for you. All by faith in Him alone. His victory is our victory. 1 John 5 verses 4 and 5 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Everything you do. Nope. Our faith. Faith in Jesus. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? We won. It is finished in Christ. For Christ has come to do everything for us so he can be our everything for us in all things. That is the message the world wants you to forget and never speak about. For it, for it is, as Romans 1.16 says, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And what makes this power of the gospel so intriguing is that as we dwell on Christ and His finished works on our behalf, as we see how free, how now we are free from doing anything to earn anything from God, but now are rather graciously given everything by God because of His love for us. This consequently, by faith, produces in us a wanting and a desire to follow after God and His ways. It creates in us a repentance of our sins and a gratitude towards Him and His laws to want to be obedient to His laws. Because of our love, because our love for Him is growing, because we realize more and more how unconditional and gracious His love is towards us already, despite our performance. We see more and more how His laws then because of this gospel towards us, in James 1.25, are the laws of liberty. For by relying upon Christ and admitting, there's freedom in admitting how weak we are without Him. Freedom in admitting how unwise we are without Him. Freedom in seeing how lost we are in this world without Him. It's not on us. There's freedom in that. 
and how we are then to grow more dependent upon Him and His works for us to be empowered by Him to let Him change our lives from the inside out. So by His power alone then we can walk in His ways. Not to gain, but because we already have and love Him for it. For our eyes then by this gospel are removed from self and are looking upon Jesus. And He takes our empty hands of faith and leads us then in His ways, showing us what we already have in Him, what He has already achieved for us, simply by looking to Him. And again, consequently, this changes then begin to happen in our life. Small, tiny, even inconsistent changes happen. Because through faith in Christ, we are now learning to live as the free people we are in Him. No longer living for love, but living from His love. No longer living for success, but living from His success for us. No longer living for achievements, but from His achievements for us. No longer living for rescue, but from His rescue over us. No longer living for hope and peace, but from His hope and peace. Our lives are now characterized and defined by living from being dependent upon Christ and all His achievements for us by faith alone in Him. This then, in turn, consequently changes our lives in all in who we interact with. And Paul, as we look at our text today of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, in this context has, has been leading up, which has been leading up to this passage, Paul has been going over what those changes look like in, in our lives, and specifically with relationships. And Paul has been taking this message then of the gospel saying, we have all we need now in Christ by faith in him. So we are free now to truly invest then our love and care and serve those around us at our own expense for their good because we just look to Jesus by faith alone to provide everything. So Paul then today is going to express then what a heart gripped by the grace of God looks like in a child and parent relationship. And today, Paul then is going to focus on Christian children. Now, as I've said much, just if you're not a child in your immediate context of life, don't check out. There is gospel truth that applies to all of us here in this passage in whatever stage of life we're in. You may, real, you may not realize that. So t- our title today is A Christian Child. So let's look at the text. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 3 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your, mother, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, one big general observation that should be seen from this text. Remember when Paul, in the very beginning of this book, stated in Ephesians 1.1, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Jesus Christ. Well, from our text today, children are included in that statement. The saints. The gospel is not just an adult thing to which we find our everything, but also the gospel is for children too. This means children also are to find their everything in Jesus. And they do so. 
through faith in him. The gospel of freedom is for children too. The gospel is given to them to find their identity too and their purpose and their meaning and their worth and their security all in Jesus. Just like a full grown adult would. And this brings us to our first point. A child, a Christian child has an eternal calling upon them. Now, by Paul addressing children then, the age, the question, well, what's the age? The age he has in view here is not infants, but those who are old enough to understand the relationship with, their, with the Lord through faith alone. Hence why he says, obey your parents in the Lord. This in the Lord implies that the child is able to make somewhat of a discernment. What are the ways of God as compared to what are the ways of sin are and are able to take some type of ownership of it by faith in Christ. So the group he's speaking to directly who are, uh, who are able to possess this type of faith between uh, 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 able to possess this type of faith on their own then between them and God are yet, though, still under the direct authority and care and are dependent upon their parents. So this is like a wide age range here, from really young kids to teenagers to to, uh, young adults, really. But whatever the case, Paul then addresses these children, uh, children as members of the eternal household of God. Paul here is saying to the children, though you may be a child... And looked upon as immature, unwise, reckless, and naive by some. Understand, through faith in Christ, you have a significant calling upon your life that is of eternal significance. For God has gracefully called has gracefully called you to accomplish His will, to reveal how He is greater than all things, how His Son has truly conquered the world and conquered the power of sin and death, all in your context of life, by you obeying your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Because the world will tell you to do the exact opposite. And by the way, the word obey here is a lot stronger of a term than the word submit that was used of wives in chapter 5. That was a willful choice. Obey, though, here in this text, means there is no choice in this matter. It's not a willful choice. It's a must. It means be subject to and carry out the orders. And this type of obeying, then, is to be, interestingly enough, both to mother and father, the parents. Not just to one or the other, but both are to be treated equally with that type of obedience. Now, when Paul says in the Lord, he doesn't mean that if they are Christian parents, then obey them like this. Nor does it mean you only obey if you think their decision is what the Lord wants for your life by your standards. No, in the Lord means that you obey them because this is God's will for your life right now. For by obeying them, you are obeying him ultimately. Paul adds, for this is right, meaning the right way of living in a fallen world is revealed to us through Christ and his word. That's all of us. He is the one who determines what is right and wrong in all of our lives. And for children, to obey parents is the way of living before God, before the Lord in their context of life. That is God's perfect expectation and law for them. 
Now, is there a limit to this unquestionable obedience, you might ask? Yes, because in the Lord means children's obedience to his or her parents is the result of following after Christ by faith. So this obedience, if it leads to sin, then no, the child is not to obey. So just a disclaimer, if you are being abused or in a life-threatening position as a child, seek a help of a teacher, a leader, a staff person, or myself, and we will help you. But outside of those circumstances, a child then, a child, until they are out of their parents' authority over them, a child is to obey. There is no loopholes in this. Even if things they are told to do are things they don't like, they do not care for, they find bothersome or boring or tedious, a child is called to act upon the request and direction of their parent. This, this is the law of God that demands perfection from the child. There is no partiality with God or with his law, with anyone. It's perfection in all things, even for children. Now, that's pretty crushing. I mean, what child can live like that with their parents? Let me just ask you, did you live that way with your parents? Yeah, everyone should be like, no. It's impossible to do that on your own. And it's meant as that. No one can live that standard. No one has lived that standard. So Paul, though, doesn't let up. Because remember, the law is meant to crush self-reliance and any loop, potential loopholes before God so that we don't have to run to Jesus. It's meant to crush everything so that we do run to Jesus by faith more and more to empower us to live according to the laws of God. But we run to Jesus because we know that Jesus has already fulfilled these laws for us, which again, in turn, creates a wanting and empowerment to follow his ways because he has died for us to do so. I mean, there's some good parenting things in here already of what a parent's supposed to remind their children. Now, a child of any age might think, well, I will do what my parents say, but I will hate doing it in my heart. Paul does not want that, nor does the law allow that. For he goes deeper and deeper to make sure that a child sees how insufficient they are to fulfill this command. They can't trick their parents, nor can they trick God. For the law of God is exhaustive. For not only does, it, does the law demand right action, but it demands right motive and emotion and attitude before him. That's all his laws, by the way, church. Paul then quotes from the Old Testament by combining Exodus, 12, uh, Exodus 20, 12 and combining Deuteronomy 5, 16. He combines them and then he adds his own personal commentary in between the next two verses. He says in Ephesians 6, 2 through 3, Honor your father and mother. This is Paul's little comment. For this is the first, com- for this is the first commandment with a promise. Then he goes back. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Real quick, what's fascinating by, about this? Though the context of Exodus and Deuteronomy is God speaking to the Jews, Paul reveals that all of Scripture is relevant to all who have faith in Christ. That through faith in Christ, both Jew and Gentiles are now the one people of God. And His Word, all of it, is for them. All of us. Or put differently, The Old Testament, because of Jesus, is now for anyone who has faith in him. And so are 
the promises. Gentiles are included in those promises. So read the Old Testament along with the New, for there is much to learn and see of what Christ has done for you. Anyways, back to the text. So this verse then leads to our second point. A Christian child is to always honor their parents. And by the way, by by quoting the word honor here, he indirectly expands who his children audience are. So directly he's speaking to children by saying, child, you obey your parents. Also, you are to honor your mother and father. And the word honor means to love, to have a high regard towards his or her parents, to hold them and see them in high respect and have no ill will towards them in any sense. But also in the Greek here, the word honor means to continually do this towards his or her parents. There is no stopping of this attitude of honor towards them in the heart, mind, word, or action. Now, obeying their parents will end at some point. And the primary way of that happening is through either marriage or the child leaving to be on their own at some point from the home. But this honoring attitude is to never leave, no matter the age or context of the child. And guess what? We all fall into that category. For all of us are children of someone. As believers, we are to never belittle or disrespect our parents, even if they disrespect us. We are to be courteous and value them in our hearts, in our words, and in our actions. As long as we are alive, even if our parents are not, this command is to be about us at all times in regards to our mothers and fathers. We are to always honor them. God's law demands perfection. And we are to honor our parents perfectly. Now, I know some of you, that may come easier for some and a lot harder for others. In fact, you may have never done that. I know there are some people whose parents or parent has been horrible to them. In fact, They may be even horrible to you now. Or maybe you never met your parents because they abandoned you when you were a babe and wanted nothing to do with you. And all you can think of is how can I honor my parents? For they gave me no respect. They gave me no love. They gave me nothing. Or they are currently giving me no love and respect right now. They are being or were just horrible and cruel and evil towards me hate them. And guess what? Paul knows that. Which is why he inserted his comment here in verse 2 in little parentheses. He wants to get your attention back before you shut down. He says, hey, don't turn off. Listen to me. He says, this is the first commandment with a promise. Meaning, no matter what the world tells you or even what you tell yourself, no matter how your parents have reacted to you or are reacting to you, there's something glorious here for you. For the words, the first, 
means that this commandment is of foremost significance for children of any age. So that means all of us. And Paul then continues with his combining of the quote of Exodus 12, 20 and Deuteronomy 5, 16 by saying, in what that promise is in verse three, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Or put differently, by following after the Lord in this way, of obeying your parents, but also when that ceases, continuing to always honor your parents, continuing to honoring them, it will only bring benefit to you wherever you are, whatever age you are, young, middle age, up in age, or up, 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 up in age. It only means blessing for you. And this brings us to our last point. A Christian child relies on Christ's fulfillment of the law. Now, it's important for you to see that this is not a reward for being obedient and honoring towards your parents. Paul does not say that here. Rather, Paul is saying it's a promise to you. Paul makes it very clear to say it is a promise to you and not a reward you earn. For we cannot earn anything by obeying the law of God because we don't do it perfectly. We can't merit it. I mean, even, even after we no longer need to obey our parents but are, con- but are continuing to honor them throughout our lifetime, for some of us and some of us not, both of these are the laws of God that are meant for us to do perfectly and keep perfectly which we cannot do. So guess what? This promise is no good to us at all if it depends upon us. Praise be to God. Paul is not saying it depends upon you or me at all. That's not what he's saying. It's easy to take it that way, but that's not what he's saying. Remember, the point of Paul and really the point of the Bible is to make much of Christ and not you. Christianity is primarily about what Christ has done and not what you do. It's it's primarily about what he has done for you because guess what? You cannot do it. The gospel is good news for you. So this all comes back to the statement in verse 1, in the Lord, in the Lord. See, through faith in Christ, he has already secured this wonderful promise for us all. By faith in Him alone. All of these blessings that are promised to us are already given to us by faith in Him. So what it means then is as we trust in Christ's finished works to have already fulfilled what God commands of us, we are able then to experience the very blessings we already have in Him. And as a consequence, we begin to live out what is stated here, even as inconsistent and imperfect and strange and awkward as we fumble and mumble about with it, as it may be with our hearts, words, and actions. The obeying, or wherever we are in life, this constant honoring has already been fulfilled by Jesus for us. And as we look to him, it will begin to happen to us, even if it means small steps in our life. Why? Because by faith in Jesus, by keeping our eyes upon Him, we are able to live out these things because of the glorious 
blessings of God that he has already graciously given to us by trusting in Christ alone. And through faith in Jesus, we begin to see all the spiritual blessings then that he has given us, to see his truth, how he loves us, how we are his children of light, how heaven is our destination, how we are now part of an everlasting kingdom, how our debt of sin has been paid and our sin no longer brings condemnation upon us, how death has been defeated over us to now live with him forever, how God and, and how God God's hand is to just bless us and work all things out for our good in him. Even our failures and mess ups, he, even, he uses it all and takes the very things that are meant to hurt us and break us and crush us and to destroy us all from other people, which includes our parents. God now uses it all to bring us benefit and goodness in Him, to make us flourish in Him, to know Him and be comforted by Him and His grace so we then can be conformed to His image, conformed to the image of Christ. It will be well with you and go well with you because Christ has promised it. Second Corinthians one twenty, chapter one verse twenty states Second Corinthians for all the promises of God. Guess what? This is the promise of God. Find their yes in Him, Jesus. That is why it is through Him we utter our Amen to the glory to God and for His glory. See, it's because we know this promise is ours in Christ, not that we have to achieve it or try to go out and get it, but we have it. That through his blood and what he has done for us, this blessing is ours. And this is what creates gratitude in children and gratitude in us adults to want to follow after this passage, no matter what pain our parents or failures our parents have done and caused us. For we want to experience his blessings in our life more and more every day by faith in him. And we creates this unconditional love and favor and care of saying, I love you. Even if you never will see them, you have that in your heart. Or it begins to sprout out and you don't know why. It shouldn't be there, but it's there. And even though you fight it, it, make, it comes about. Because you know of the grace that was given you that you did not deserve, that then sprouts this, un, this gracious heart towards those who do not deserve it. We are now alive in Him by faith. And He has changed us by His grace through faith. And our hearts have been gripped then by this grace. So when we see, this, see passages such as these, which are hard, we begin to want to follow after them. But we have to admit We have no power of our own to do so. So we run to Jesus to empower us to live this out, for He has commanded such, but He has also fulfilled it for us. So we rest and we receive His blessings by faith in Him, for the gospel is good news, for He truly is our everything for all things. He has done the impossible. He has changed our hearts of stone to hearts of flesh, which now beat for God and beat for His ways in our relationships with the people around us in our life, even those who may have stepped out of our life. For we now find that God's ways Our freedom, the freedom we need 
and the freedom we have all in Christ. For truly it is finished in Jesus all by faith alone in Him. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. God, you are so good. And God, I know there are people who struggle with this passage of honoring their parents. But God, you have promised freedom from the bondage of sin. Freedom from the power of hate. Freedom from the power of unforgiveness. Freedom from the power of grudges. And replaced it with hearts of love. For you stated that your love is being poured into our hearts. God, help us run to your Son. Lord, help us to always trust that your Son has accomplished all things for us. God, you are so good and we are so undeserving or we are so deserving of punishment and yet undeserving of your grace and yet you give it anyways. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for hope. For you are truly the only one that can change anything in this world and you begin by changing us. Thank you for that. Bless us, Lord, as we now come before you. Help us to rest in your never-changing grace. For Lord, we fail all your laws. This is just one. But your son has fulfilled them all for us so we can have hope and be truly free in you. And when we come downcast, remind us that we are free in Christ for we no longer live under condemnation but under your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.